The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. 15, 64, 50, 80, 90, hey, hey! Hey, you guys. Oh, my God. Welcome to a very Brady podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Tack, and I'll be your skipper on this episode of the tour. And with me, as always, is my first mate and little buddy of the show, Jimmy Klein. Hola, mi amigo. Hola, el señor Cici Paco. <laughs> and on this podcast, we celebrate classic, iconic TV shows as we break them down one episode at a time. What we do here, Jimmy, as you know, oh yeah, we take the episode. We do every week. We break it down. Sometimes. We curse it with a tiki idol and make it believe it's doomed, only to break the curse by dancing around it and throwing drugs in its face. All for you, the listener. Aww. It's totes adorbs. And on today's episode, we take a look at Gilligan's Island Season 1, Episode 10, entitled Waiting for Watubi. Hmm. If you haven't watched the episode, please feel free to stop the podcast and go watch it before continuing. You don't have to, but it might be a hell of a lot more funny if you do. Gilligan's Island is available to stream nowhere for free, but it is available for purchase on Apple TV and Amazon Prime. Or you can do what we did and buy the series DVD box set available now through our Amazon affiliate link on our website at averybradypodcast.com slash shop. It's a great way to support the show, Jimmy. That's true. Just like, just like an, an athletic supporter supports, <laughs> you right. would you would be like our athletic supporter. That's right. If you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. So, how was your week, Jimmy? It was pretty good. How about yours? It was alright. Just alright. Why was it just alright? Talk to us. We're, we're all we're all friends here. Why was it just alright? <laughs> I don't know, it's just all right. I just worked and, you know, nothing too exciting, which is nice and quiet the way I like it. That's cool. Did did you do any screwing <laughs> at, at work? I mean, I didn't actually do any screwing at Well, I mean, I did a couple times, but not like normally. And that oh, where cool. I just screw Because you were telling me at day. work, you were like screwing all the time at work. That's what you were saying. That's all I do is that's screw just, That's what day. you told me. Hmm? It's true. That's Yeah. But no, I did some other stuff this uh, week. It was nice. Right on. That's good. Cool. Get tired of screwing all day. Yeah, right. I can imagine that would get tiring. It hurts my arm. And you were. Too. I was just about to say. You said your arm was getting tired. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that's neato. What about you? How was your week? It was. It was a normal week. I just you know hung out with Weird Al. Hmm. Huh? What, what's wait? Wait. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday we went to see Weird Al in concert. Which was all. That was the second time I'd seen him. He, he, um, That's cool. He was playing down here in Melbourne, and um, Emo Phillips opened for him. I didn't realize how freaking funny that guy was. He's hilarious. Was? Is he dead now? It, no, you just saw him like two nights ago. <laughs> That's true. He's getting up there in age, but he looks exactly the same. Like he's hmm. so freaking funny. There was at least ten times I was like, "Wow!" Like just the kind of jokes he was doing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Seems kind yeah. of surprising for a Weird Al show. Why he was in UHF? Well, you said some of his jokes were racy and weird. I mean, he didn't really curse a whole lot or anything like that, but mm-hmm. um, it was a lot of innuendos, you know. Gotcha. But okay. him and Weird Al have been friends for years because he was in his movie. 
So yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, it's pretty good. Good. Good job. Good job. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Got to have a night off work. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I still haven't, I've yet to see Weird Al in concert, but it is a life goal. So, yeah, this one was a little bit more low key. Uh, it was just him on a bar stool with his guitar player and, and the rest of the band and just kind of, they weren't, it wasn't really unplugged, but it wasn't any of the costumes, nothing like that. And it was a lot of songs like Melanie and CNR and, mm-hmm. Um, Melanie, <laughs> sorry, uh, Jackson Park Express and um, Albuquerque and stuff like stuff that you know. If you're not an avid Weird Al fan, you're not going to know. So I do, I do like some Albuquerque though. That is, yeah, 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 that's a good. It one. was just nice. Like a song would come on and you look around and like you could tell by look on people's face they had no idea what the fuck he was singing. They're like, "What is this?" And it kind of makes you feel good. You're like, "Ha!" Ah. Even my kids know Albuquerque. Yeah. Every time we get to that part, my kids were always like, I hate <laughs> sauerkraut. It's like there's this one kid that came in dressed as Weird Al with a wig and a mustache and everything. And I wanted so bad to go up to him and be like, when you have a tattoo, Weird Al, then we'll talk. Otherwise, take that stupid shit off. Turns out that was Daniel Ratcliffe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then I saw he was sitting in the front row center. I'm like. All right, he's got money. Okay, <laughs> I guess that's that's enough. He can probably afford a tattoo. Tell me when you can afford these seats, Dick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was it was pretty fun though. It's nice. It's nice. Good. Well, good. Just cinch it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. I mean, I haven't really listened to Weird Al in a long time. I used to be no? really big into Weird Al when I was much younger. Um, even like through my twenties too. Um, but like his last few albums, I never even have gotten. Really? Not that I really need to get him anymore now with Apple Music and all that stuff. But right. But I haven't listened to any of the newer stuff yet. Um, newer stuff is really good. He he's done putting out albums now. He's not putting out albums anymore. Really? Um, yeah, because he 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 thinks the the landscape of music has changed, and you don't really put out albums anymore. It's just you release songs when you when you have them, kind of thing. So. He doesn't really see it as releasing albums. He sees it as just releasing songs when he has a song to release. So, hmm. yeah. have you seen? Is the movie out yet? It is, but it's not. Um, it's it's been in a couple of music festivals and or music festivals, um, film festivals, stuff like that, and you know, um, but it's not available for like mass consumption, so to speak, until November, I think. Oh. So, and it's going to be on Roku. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I don't know. And you know all the all the other movie companies are like kicking themselves in the ass, like, damn it, look how much attention this shit's getting. <laughs> like fucking Roku, really? Like It's like Dane Cook's new special. It's on some streaming service I've never even heard of. Oh yeah, because it's fucking Dane Cook and he's not funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some people because he posted on Facebook and I saw some people commenting going, That's cause you suck now. And some people were doing hating stuff and a couple people that actually watched it said like Holy shit, man. Like, you're just as funny as you've always been. You're back, man. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of people have accused him of stealing jokes from other people. I saw somebody write that in there, but I've never heard that. I've never. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. you and I, I mean, we know a lot of his jokes. I've never heard yeah, them anywhere yeah. else. <clears throat> yeah, I've never heard them either. But, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, looks like I'm not a particular George Carlin fan. I don't think he's that funny. He He was more like a motivational speaker than he was a comedian. He's just not very funny. And he had like something like 17 specials or something like that. Something insane. <laughs> so, 
and that was on like HBO or or show or um, Comedy Central or whatever. So if he can have that many, come on, man, you can give <laughs> give Dane Cook another chance. Look how much money he made you in the past. Yeah, who was? What's that one guy that used to smash watermelons? Uh, Gallagher. Gallagher. Yeah, he was another one of those. More of a motivational speaker type stuff. Um, well, a lot of times it was his brother that you saw, not him. His brother took what? over for a while because he has like a twin brother. His brother was doing it for a while under his name. It wasn't I even him. Know. I don't know. But after seeing Weird Al and seeing Emo, Emo Phillips um, <clears throat> open for him, I'm kind of surprised that I haven't heard more from him. He's actually really funny. For a comedian that's been around as long as hmm. he has, it was surprising how funny he was. Yeah. I remember watching the trailer for um, Weird, I think is the name of the movie. Yeah, I think so. And it, there was some stuff in there. I was like, what? I don't <laughs> think that happened. But Well, no, I think it's. I think the point of the movie is, I think he did to <clears throat> the movie what he does to other people's songs. You know what I mean? I think it's almost like a parody of his own. Like, because Weird Al's not going to be serious and do an autobiography. He's not going to do that. Why? Everybody you know wants I mean? to see that. Yeah, but it's Weird Al, man. He ain't doing that. He's just going to be goofy and silly and play it up. Because the, the trailer, trailer made it look like he was caught up in like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And that was exactly. not Like he Weird was Al. fucking Madonna. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I was like, that didn't happen, did it? Well, like, no, that's the whole point, man. It's supposed to be funny. <laughs> is this Andy Kaufman doing this? Like, what? <laughs> only funny to him, only, and that's it. <laughs> well, it's like like the scene where he's inspired to do, um, like another one. Was it another one? Rides the bus? No, my baloney. Where they play yeah. a song on the radio, and he looks down as there happens to be a pack of baloney sitting on the table, oh, right, and he right, starts right, singing. Right. His, obviously, that shit didn't happen, but it's just it's just it's weird out, man. Like maybe it did, yeah. It's just like um, the song Drive Through or Albuquerque. Like Albuquerque, like he brought that up at the concert. He's like, <clears throat> you know, there's this song that, you know, I perform at the end of the movie. You know, would you guys like to hear it? And everybody's like, everybody goes ape shit and say, like, oh, yeah, and start screaming. And then they play like one chord. And he's like, I just remember I, I signed a paper. I, I'm actually not allowed to play that. I'm sorry. He goes, I don't even know why I brought that up. It's kind of dumb. But he goes, but it's kind of silly for me to even do the movie in the first place because I already put out a song that talks about my life. Like, I've already done it. And then he started singing Albuquerque. <laughs> so, I mean, if he if he's referring to that as his biography, then that gives you an idea of his mentality behind his biography. I mean, and if, if you know anything about Weird Al, it's kind of boring anyways. I mean, his, he right, went to I school for architecture was, and his dad was kind of, you know, a nerd and his mom was a normal mom. And As far as I know, when he got married, he was a virgin. So. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Because I remember him seeing him in an interview and somebody was asking him something about that. And he was like, uh, and he was obviously he got married. And he's like, yeah. And kind of going through his life. And he's like, were you a virgin? You know, kind of making a joke. And he goes, huh, yeah. And he's like, were you really? Oh, my God. I was just joking. He was like, and he goes, no, totally not joking. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. That's kind of neat, though. I, I like Weird Al. Yeah. He's good, wholesome fun. He is. He, that's good. <laughs> I just want to hear him curse one time. That's like that one well, joke. I mean, that, I've heard him say, like, damn or hell, I think. But Well, it's like the one joke that Bill Cosby did where the punchline was, you kick his ass. like, And everybody, everybody lost it because it was Bill Cosby, you know, cursing, uh, which seems like a really minor thing now. 
<laughs> but, right. um, but like in one of Weird Al's songs in Jackson Park Express, he says the line, I like your boobs, which that surprised a lot of people. They're like, what? Hmm. We're now saying he likes somebody's boobs. Yeah. <laughs> now we may uh, give Bill Cosby a little bit of a hard time on this show. But what people he gave don't a know, a lot of people a hard time. With what, I'm <laughs> what people don't know is that Jimmy, you and I have been in the same room with Bill Cosby, so it's okay. We have, yeah, mm-hmm. we so have. it's okay. He didn't do nothing to me, except made me laugh. <laughs> 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 no, we saw him ironically in Jacksonville. Hmm. Well, not Illinois, but Florida. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That was like, yeah, he he was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I thought he was really funny. He came out almost like with no material. He was just asking people, well, what's your name? What do you do? And he would do like 20 minutes on that guy sitting in front row. Like it was amazing. I used to go to this comedy club in Jacksonville, uh, Florida every Thursday night. Cause Thursday night was free. And, uh, there were comedians. <laughs> it was I supported comedy, you know, when it was free. <laughs> hey, I drank my drinks. It was like a two drink minimum. <laughs> and, uh, but it was always packed out on Thursday nights and uh, they just okay. have local comedians in there. Sometimes they're local. Sometimes they're from out of town, whatever. It didn't matter. But, okay. um, but this one, uh, this one black woman, like that was her whole set was just riffing off of people. She had oh, no oh, jokes oh. planned. So her whole thing was just talk. I think she talked to every single person in the audience, you know? Oh, geez. And I remember when she, she even like picked me out of the crowd because oh, I'm no. sitting there with my arm like that on the table and she goes, <laughs> You with all them tattoos. She goes, God help us all or something like that. And then she was like, I'm moving on. And then like went to somebody else and was like, what's your name? What do you do? And I, you know, and hmm. she did like 40 minutes of just that. Was, was she like, funny? Or? No, it was just weird. Should I come her, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, she was hilarious. <laughs> and we used to have this one comedian <clears throat> from Jacksonville that eventually went on to be on uh, Last Comic Standing. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah, but she didn't win, but she did well. What was her name? Do you remember? Yeah, it was, uh, well, I don't remember her name, but she was known as Grandma something. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and I've seen her on a couple. I think she was also on America's Got Talent, too. I was just about to ask if she was on AGT. If she was on AGT, <clears throat> I know you're talking I think about. she went on there one time, too. But yeah, we saw her on one of those Thursday nights because she was from Jacksonville. Dan Cummins was on um, uh, Last Comic Standing. Was he? <clears throat> yeah, that's what he had said on his podcast. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. Well, we have gone way off tangent. And, oh uh, dang! Okay, tangent. Yeah. Remember, we got to put. Remember the podcast we do. We should probably. Oh do shit, that. we do. Wait, we're just, <laughs> we're still doing that, right? We're <laughs> no, we're not cool. doing the Brady Bunch anymore. Okay, no. okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, so let's take our first break, and when we come back, we're really going to get into this episode of. Uh, it is enough. Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Phew. All right. We'll be back. <sighs> Something wrong, Tech? Oh, nothing, Jimmy. Halloween is coming up, and my son says he's too old for trick or treating. But I still want to dress up. Okay. Have you checked out HalloweenCostumes.com yet? What's that? What do you mean, what's that? We went over this last year. We did? 
Yes, HalloweenCostumes.com. It has the biggest and best selection of Halloween costumes, accessories, and decorations. Mm, no, but I don't recall. The biggest and best selection means over 10,000 costumes from your favorite pop culture properties and comics, video games, movies, and television. I, I, I got nothing. The best selection means costumes that fit anyone. Parents, kids, couples, groups, plus size. Ooh. Even sexy costumes. Ooh la la. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Now you got it. Oh, and you know the retro network is all about them ugly, ugly Halloween, Halloween sweaters. sweaters. Yeah, I remember that. But I want something new. They have stuff that's new. They got brand new designs for 2022. See, look. Oh wow, like Beetlejuice, Trick or Treat, and Hocus Pocus. Those weren't there last year. And Marty McFly, Ghostbusters, and Mr. Potato Head. Those weren't there last year either. I know, right? So, do you think they have like sexy Hocus Pocus? I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Dude, that's gonna get me so much candy. My son is gonna be peanut butter and jealous, and I'm not sharing any of it. What, what was that? N- nothing. So click on over to HalloweenCostumes.com using the promo code link in today's show notes and save 20% off your entire order now through October 31st, 2022. HalloweenCostumes.com, the only place you need to shop this Halloween season. So do they have like sexy Mr. Potato Head? What is wrong with you? are back oh man that was i didn't think you could complete all of the abcs that was amazing <laughs> that was crazy well, and then my armpits a little sore but i yeah, got your done. hand your hand didn't stop moving the whole time <laughs> i don't even know what that means i don't know either <laughs> all right so all right we've got gilligan's allen season one episode 10 entitled Waiting for Watubi. You see, we have to keep going or else we're going to lose listeners. So That's true. Yeah. This is what they came for. So <laughs> let's yeah. get into this. Facts about the episode are first aired on December 5th, 1964. Damn. <laughs> Written by Fred Freeman and Lawrence J. Cohen. And look who was directed by. <laughs> Kevin's dad, Jack Arnold. Oh, wow. is this the first episode he's directed on this? I think so. I think so. Interesting. Okay. According to IMDb. The episode shows one of those instances where For He's a Jolly Good Fellow is sung instead of Happy Birthday to You. I didn't even catch that. Mm -hmm. Until 2016, United States and 2017 in the European Union, Happy Birthday to You was actually a licensed song that required the payment of royalties if it is used in any media, while For He's a Jolly Good Fellow is still in the public domain. Interesting. So we can sing it right now if we wanted to. Well, That's we can sing happy movie. birthday now, too, because it's not well, public Well, then why don't they sing happy birthday in restaurants? I thought it was because it was copywritten. Um, well, this was just as of 2016, so. Hmm, okay. I mean, they can, but now a lot of restaurants kind of created their own birthday song. So. Now, well, now they sing that one that, <laughs> now they sing that one that goes. It kind of goes like that. That's. Well, because yeah, they had that's yeah. a weird song. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. 
That's where all the hey. Well, I don't know. It's where all the servers come out and they all start clapping offbeat from each other, and they're all yelling something, and you can't understand what they're saying. So it comes out as okay. All right. You sound like Bill Cosby after he had dental work done. This is behind a tree. What do you What do you have to say that? Oh, I don't know. Just do it. I didn't think it was offensive. Is he behind the tree? <laughs> Jello pudding pop. No. Anyway, Gilligan breaks the fourth wall again in this episode and also addresses the audience at the end of the episode. Gilligan does? Or the skipper does? Gilligan does. Oh, Skipper does too. Yeah, Skipper, skipper looks, looks <laughs> at us in the eyes. Too. <laughs> All right, so are you ready to fade in? I am ready to fade in. All right. So we fade in. Scene one. Our story begins with the skipper smiling and carrying a large sheet of bamboo near the lagoon over to the professor and Gilligan. As Gilligan digs a hole, the professor says, Skipper, give me a hand here, will you? Skipper says, Yeah, sure, professor. Skipper kneels down and helps the professor tie some bamboo shoots together. The professor says, This is a wonderful way to protect our food supply. It'll be cool down there, pointing to the little ass hole that Gilligan is digging. Mm-hmm. The skipper adds, yeah, Gilligan promoted a steamer trunk from the house. Figures he'll put all the food in it and drop the whole thing in the pit. The professor nods, smiles, and says, it's a wonderful idea. You two men deserve a lot of credit. Aww. The skipper says, oh, I can't take any bows this time, professor. These were all Gilligan's decisions. What? Wait, that can't be right. Like, is <laughs> yeah. your synopsis okay? Like, is yeah, it that, that's what he says. Damn. Yes. Yeah. Gilligan stops digging and says, I'll accept one. The professor says, what's that? Gilligan says, he decided I could do the digging. <laughs> the professor and the skipper look at each other and smirk like. <clears throat> the skipper, now having a heart, says, okay, Gilligan, I'll relieve you. What's funny is when Gilligan said that, it was a dig. Hmm? <laughs> That's true. It was a dig. As Gilligan climbs out of the little asshole, he quickly stops while bent over and says, Oh, my back, my back. The skipper actually bends down and asks, What's the matter? Can you straighten <laughs> up? Can't you straighten up? Gilligan, while still bent over, says, No, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Skipper says, Oh, you've just got a cramp. I'll fix that. The skipper, now standing behind him, grabs his shoulders. Hell yeah. The professor <laughs> warns. Be careful, Skipper. Skipper says, oh, don't worry. I've done this before. Hell yeah, he has. Lots and lots of... Where'd the music go? Oh, still there. <laughs> lots and lots of times. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I think you do. Hell to the Skipper then thrusts Gilligan to an upright position with a... Oh, I heard. Sorry, I heard. I heard thrust. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) To an upright position with a loud crunch. Gilligan's eyes practically pop out of his head. Skipper asks, gosh, little buddy, did I hurt you? Gilligan, still in shock, says, no, Skipper. I had some seashells in my back pocket. 
He reaches into his back pocket and pulls out broken shell bits and drops them on the beach. The skipper, not having any patience for his antics, simply says, Oh, I'll dig a while. <laughs> look at look at Gilligan actually getting credit for something. Mm-hmm. Dang. Mm-hmm. And the skipper was gonna help? What the fuck? Like I know. This is a weird be, episode already, man. It's be Gilligan's birthday. Maybe that's who they sing birthday to. This this episode already is kind of creepy. Jimmy, oh, stop! Right. You're scaring me. Um, so that it, I don't know if you remember this, but it reminds me of when me and you would put either we would kind of interchange it either ice or dried macaroni in our mouths and act like we were chewing our own fingers. <laughs> oh, that was a you a you thing, I think. <laughs> or we would do it with a pencil, like we'd put like a, a dried macaroni on one side and put a pencil on the other side, be like, and act like we were biting the pencil. Like, <laughs> so stupid. And ju- it's something Sounds we would like do now because we're yeah. still kind of juvenile, but anyways, right. that's this scene reminded me of that for some reason. Um, <laughs> so, uh, why is, I don't know if you noticed in the one scene where the, uh, where the, the skipper's talking to the professor. Yeah. Why is he so damn close to the professor? He's like right up in his face talking to him. Because <laughs> a room in the shop, maybe. I don't know. I think I don't know. Seems like they can move the camera back a little bit, so it's not uncomfortably close together. You know. <laughs> I just thought it was weird. Anyways, scene two: the skipper now drops down into the little asshole and says, <laughs> "Professor, get Gilligan to help you." The professor says, "Yeah, get me one of those bamboo rods, will you, Gilligan?" As the skipper continues to dig in the little asshole, he pops his head up to throw more sand out of the little asshole and drops back down to dig. In the little asshole. <laughs> when <laughs> when Gilligan <laughs> goes to grab a bamboo rod, he picks one up and swings it right above the skipper's head just, he's, just as he ducks down to dig some more. The professor tells Gilligan, no, 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 a short one, a short one. Gilligan sees that he made a boner and swings <laughs> the large bamboo rod back across the skipper just as he ducks down, narrowly missing him as he ducks down to dig more sand. <laughs> Gilligan grabs the correct bamboo rod and hands them to the professor with no harm done. The professor <laughs> the professor ties the bamboo rods together on the bottom as Gilligan ties them together on the top. It was executed well. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it wasn't finished. I feel like it would have been really funny if he would have picked up something really small like a stick and managed to hit Skipper in the head with it. Like I don't know. It just would have been funny. It, it felt like it it needed a finish. Like, I don't know. Um, just then, as the skipper digs in his little asshole, he shouts, Professor Gilligan! The professor and Gilligan stop what they're doing and look into skipper's little asshole. Just as the skipper pulls out a big, fat, brown tiki idol uh-huh. <laughs> right out of his little asshole. Ooh. The skipper says, Look what I just dug out of my little asshole. (laughs) You're so stupid. The the professor, of course, knows exactly what it is. Says, why, it's one of those ancient tiki gods. The skipper, still very superstitious, looks at it with fright and says, right, it's Kona. (laughs) Gilligan says, Kona? The skipper, still with fear in his eyes, says, the god of evil this must be the ancient burial place whoever disturbs his rest is cursed forever 
As soon as he says this, Gilligan pulls his hand away and says, thanks for taking over digging, Skipper. The professor says, oh, you don't believe this native superstitions, do you? Gilligan adds, he sure does. He's always telling me terrible stories about these islands, sacred gods and curses. The professor looks at Gilligan and asks, surely you don't believe in that nonsense, do you? <laughs> Gilligan mm. says, surely I don't, but I do. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> hey What's funny is I went to write that joke in there. And you already yeah. had it. Uh, already there. The skipper, still staring into the eyes of the evil tiki god of evil, says... <laughs> <laughs> you'd believe it too if you've seen the strange things that i've seen the professor always the realist says if you're both afraid i'll take over digging the skipper hmm. gets excited and says you're welcome to it but just as the skipper tries to climb out of the little asshole the <laughs> ground begins to shake and rumble knocking over the three men hmm oh. Yeah, back to that uh, bamboo thing where he was like just barely missing the skipper every time with him. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. It was, uh, and that I'm kind of glad that he never like hit him, which is good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still think he should have hit him with something small and something that would have been almost impossible to hit him with. He manages to miss with <laughs> twice with a big thing of bamboo and his little tiny thing he hits him upside the head with. Um, <laughs> kind of a bit funny. <laughs> Wow, that tiki ought to really knock the tripod the camera was on around, didn't it? <laughs> I heard tiki ought also. And also, <laughs> it, it still had paint on it. That's weird. What? <laughs> this ancient tiki idol? Yeah. It still had paint, like, fully intact on it, even though it was in really wet sand next to water. That's weird. Isn't that weird? I, I didn't, I didn't oh, notice. Okay. I thought it was weird. <laughs> Scene three. The rumbling continues, then finally comes to an abrupt stop. The mm. skipper looks at the tea idol and then says, Superstitions, eh? It's the curse of Kona, and it's just the beginning. Okay. Where is that coming from? That's like the duck quacking all over again. <laughs> the skipper jumps out a little asshole and begins to run away. But the professor stops him and says, Skipper, little earthquakes are not uncommon on these volcanic islands. The underground gases exert pressure on the substrata. <laughs> I mean, it's written substrate, but he says substrata. I don't know. Anyway, uh, exert pressure on the substrata formations, causing shifts in the geological situation. <laughs> Professor fucking know it all over here. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Gilligan you says. Know he made all that shit up. <laughs> He's like, I got to make up more shit so they won't believe in the stupid tiki bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, Gilligan says, Skipper, I agree. Skipper says, Gilligan, how could you agree? Did you understand what he said? Gilligan says, no, but it's the way he says it. <laughs> Skipper, still <laughs> flipping out, says, we've got to ward off these evil spirits. I've got some charms in the hut, that'll, but it's cut off when the professor stops him and says, now, Skipper, this is the 20th century. And there's absolutely no scientific evidence to support any of this superstitious nonsense. The professor grabs the tea kettle from the skipper and tosses it aside. The professor goes on, Now let's forget about the curse of Kona and return to digging in Gilligan's little asshole for food. <laughs> the skipper <laughs> urges once more. I just got that. 
<laughs> the skipper urges once more, but the professor shuts that shit down quick by saying, all right, all right, I'll do the digging. You and Gilligan go get some logs for supports. No, you you, you mentioned log and asshole like so close together. And we didn't even catch it. We didn't even laugh, but. <laughs> Gilligan hey, wait, takes are we, the- are we maturing? <laughs> oh, we can test it. Boobies. <laughs> Booby. <laughs> that shit had me cracking up when I was listening. <laughs> Gilligan takes the skipper by the arm and says, "Come on, skipper. Maybe he's right." Skipper says, "Okay," but skipper then steps on an island-made rake and <laughs> smacks himself in the face and says, "Oop!" That shit cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Gilligan asks, oh, are you all right? Skipper looks at the rake with his eyes wide and says, it's another warning from Kona. <laughs> the professor digging deep in Gilligan's little asshole says, that's not a warning, Skipper. It's an accident. The kind that occurs with predictable regularity and statistical frequency. <laughs> Gilligan says... <laughs> Gilligan says, Skipper. The skipper, knowing what he's going to say, says, Gilligan. Gilligan shrugs and says, it's the way he says it. <laughs> skipper says, oh, let's just go get some logs. As the skipper walks off, Gilligan stops and says to the professor, who's deep inside Gilligan's little asshole, and says, boy, you sure got a mouth full of big words. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that, like I said, the professor made that shit up. Like he, none of that shit's like scientific or wrong. Like, um, and, he, and I was confused. Like he tripped on a rake. Like, I, okay, I get that. There's a lot of things on this island that they had to make because it's a necessity. But I yeah. feel like a rake isn't one of them. Well, I don't know if it was a rake or not. It was like bamboo stick with like some seashells at the end of it. Yeah, like I would think. Uh-huh. I would think that's a rake, but it's like. It's like, you know what our first priority should be? Getting water and food and, and you know, finding shelter? No, fuck that. Getting rid of all these leaves. Because, <laughs> like, this shit's irritating. It's fall, and they're all falling off the fucking palm trees, because that's the thing. We need uh, to make yard. <laughs> we need to make yard <laughs> tools quickly. <laughs> what happens if they come to rescue us, and it looks like shit, Tack? <laughs> we have all this sand. Let's make a fucking Zen garden or something. I don't know. Exactly. Same. It's kind of what that tool looked like to make his anger. <laughs> <laughs> um, so wait a minute. So, so their plan is to put the food underground and then like what? Three times a day they want to dig that shit up and eat. <laughs> like what? What's the purpose? Of it? I get that. It's going to keep it cool underground, but are yeah. they really going to dig all that sand and shit up every single time they want to eat something? Well, I assume that um, they would stick it in the ground and, pour all the dirt around it, you can still open the chest kind of a thing. But I mean, you know, it's not going to take very long to get sand and shit all over your food, right? It's not like you got <laughs> plastic bags. <laughs> I mean, it's true, I guess, but <laughs> I mean, but at this and, point, I'm sure they're, they've eaten a lot of sand. That they're just kind of used to it now. And plus, <laughs> just a few episodes ago, they were like, oh, high tides in a half an hour. And the, the water was like fucking 20 feet back from the boat. So apparently they got a miraculous tide on this island. Oh, I thought on. of that too, that you know the tide could come yeah. in and fill It would totally flood the hole. Like unless there's another part of the island that mysteriously has a higher tide than this part of the island, which, <laughs> okay. So, 
So the professor is in geology now. Oh yeah, and of course. also a statistical analyst, <laughs> and he knows all the statistics off the top of his head tech. because <laughs> that's how statistical analysts work. They just, they don't look at it on paper or on a computer. They just remember that shit. <laughs> hey professor, what are the odds? <laughs> well, technically, it's like did you know forty five percent of people that don't know a real statistic usually say forty five percent. <laughs> it's like, what are you, some kind of damn wussy? You got to research that shit? You should know it. <laughs> okay. All right. Scene four. Later, we see Skipper digging in Gilligan's little asshole as Gilligan sits on the rim of his little <laughs> asshole along with the tiki idol on his lap. Gilligan says, well, I sure hope this makes you feel better. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> ah, you. I hope it makes you feel real good. Hell to the art. The skipper says, Gilligan, I'll feel a lot better when Conan is in his original burial place. Hmm. Just then we see the howls out for a walk in the jungle dressed to the nines, Mm -hmm. complete with a parasol. Mm-hmm. They spot Gilligan and the skipper and the skipper too, as <laughs> as Mr. Howell tells Mrs. Howell to shush and keep quiet as they spy on the two. Mm-hmm. As the skipper continues to dig inside Gilligan's little ice hole, Gilligan asks, man, aren't you deep enough yet, skipper? The skipper says, <laughs> I want to go just a little bit deeper. <laughs> I don't want to take any chances. If you know what I mean. <laughs> and I think you do. Gilligan says, seems like an awful lot of trouble for a little statue. The skipper says, it is a lot of trouble, but it's worth it. Hell yeah. <laughs> the house continue to secretly watch the two men as they dig and conversate. Mr. Hal whispers, did you hear that, lovey? The statue must be worth a fortune. Lovey says, that's probably why they're burying it. <laughs> Mr. Howell says, there's only one thing to do. Lovey asks, tell the professor. Mr. Howell says, no, take it for ourselves. Mm. They both maniacally giggle at their evil plan and then both duck down behind bushes. Mm-hmm. They maniacally giggle. Whenever I hear maniacally, I think of that Muppet movie with that, the, the, the villain on the Muppet movie, he's like maniacal laugh because he can't laugh. So he just says it. It's right. funny. Yeah. My only note is I fucking hate the house. <laughs> There's sometimes just not all the time, but sometimes I just fucking yeah. hate their attitude. <laughs> yeah. Scene five back at Gilligan's hole. The skipper places the Tiki idol back inside and says, rest easy, Kona. He places dirt back on top of the idol to bury it. Meanwhile, the house continued to watch Gilligan's little ass hole from Mrs. Howell's thick bush. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, putting, I don't get why that's funny. I don't either. <laughs> After putting the final layer on top of the idol, the skipper sighs deeply and says, There, that's a load off my mind. Gilligan adds, We'll put the food locker right on top. Skipper agrees. Gilligan goes on, Let's get going before the professor comes back. Skipper says, yes, he'll never understand. They both climb out of the hole and fetch the steamer trunk. Once gone, the house sneak out from behind the thick bush and up <laughs> to Gilligan's little ass hole. 
Mrs. Howell says, Thurston, darling, please hurry. Mr. Howe picks up the shovel and asks, Good heavens, lovey, how do you work one of these? <laughs> Mrs. Howell begins to explain as best she can. Later, the Howes exit their hut as Mr. Howe says, Nothing to worry about, it's hidden. Mrs. Howe says, Yes, but what happens when Gilligan and the Skipper find it missing? Mr. Howe says, Simple, we just accuse the professor. Mrs. Howe, a little surprised by his quick response, says, Thurston! Mr. Howe smiles and says, Just joking, my dear, and they both walk off. Moments later, Skipper and Gilligan walk up to Hal Manor. Gilligan says, I wonder if they're home. Skipper yells out, Anybody there? Gilligan knocks on the door and asks as well. No response. Gilligan says, Well, they should be back soon. It's getting dark. We should wait. Skipper says, Wait? Why should we wait? We came over to get the steamer trunk, and they said we could pick it up at any time. Skipper just opens the door to the hut and enters. Gilligan follows. So I don't understand something. Like, Mr. Howell knows what a pickaxe is, obviously, from the last episode. But he doesn't know what a shovel is? (laughs) Well, (laughs) technically, he never used the pickaxe. But he still knew what it was. Well, yeah, he knew what a shovel is, too. He just didn't know how to use one. Uh, Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have a question. So, so the house dug up Kona, brought mm-hmm. it back to their hut, hit it and left <laughs> the whole time. Skipper and Gilliam were walking to their hut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what were Skipper and Gilliam doing? Like walking around, sniffing around. Hey, do you want to go over to the lagoon and maybe go for a dip? And they were having a romantic, well, it was romantic for Skipper. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Unless they had other stuff to do. Oh, no, no. Gilligan and Skipper were going somewhere out. They were collecting logs, right? No, because they they buried Kona. And they said, now let's go get that trunk. Oh, shit. You're right. You're right. So they were going. They left immediately to go to the house to get the trunk. Oh, yeah. And the house were still there. And they walk over to the hole like, hurry up. And they go to dig up the thing. They dug up Kona and went back to their hut, hit it, okay. left. Yeah, you're right. And they're, the they're quick. skipper still hadn't shown up yet. Well, Mrs. Howe's probably still in really good shape from, you know, <laughs> mining a gold mine. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, huh. hmm. Okay. That made no damn sense. Nope. Scene six. Once they enter... The skipper spots the trunk and says, there it is, Gilligan. And they walk over <laughs> and they walk over to it. The skipper says, well, let's get it out of here. They both attempt to pick it up, but can't. It's just too darn heavy. They mm. try again with no luck. The skipper says, well, I guess the house haven't unpacked it yet. Well, let's empty it out. You know, somebody else's belongings. Let's just dump them on the sand. <laughs> right. Exactly. With a trunk on its side, it's definitely the correct way to open a trunk. (laughs) So they do. Or attempt to anyways, when Gilligan says, oh, it's locked. The skipper says, well, there's got to be a key around here someplace. Let's start looking for it. You know, because it's obvious the Howls want them to open it. The skipper and Gilligan begin to snoop around Howls Manor because, you know, that's appropriate. As they, as they both wander, 
neither watching where the other is going, and they run into each other. The skipper sighs, rolls his eyes, and lets Gilligan pass by. The skipper now opens bags and looks through the cabinets and anything he can see that looks like it may house a key. As he shuts one side of the cabinet, he opens the other side quickly, but then shuts it. He stops and does a double take and opens it again. Kona, the tiki idol, is inside. What? The skipper's eyes widen as his jaw drops. He slams the cabinet shut again. He looks at Gilligan and says, I don't believe it. He opens the cabinet again just to make sure that he isn't seeing things and then slams it shut again. This time on his fingers. He gasps from pain and repeats, I do believe it. (laughs) Gilligan walks over and asks, what is it, Skipper? The Skipper pulls his fingers free and says, Gilligan, look in there. (laughs) Gilligan walks over and opens the cabinet. He sees the tiki idol and slams it shut with his jaw on the floor. Mm. He asks, how did it get back here? The skipper, now starting to freak out, says, I knew it. I knew it. It's the curse of Kona. Oh, shit. Gilligan gulps and says, maybe you're right. The skipper goes on. Of course I'm right. It's following me, Gilligan. You've got to bury it. Gilligan asks, why me? Skipper says, I'm the one who has the curse of Kona upon him. Maybe if you bury it, it'll go away. Hmm. Gilligan asks, do I have to? The skipper now begs and pleads, please, Gilligan, little buddy. Gilligan, unable to resist being called his little buddy, says, (laughs) okay, skipper, I can't be mad at you. (laughs) Gilligan turns to the cabinet, opens it up, and then quickly slams it shut again. Skipper asks, what's the matter? Gilligan says, I don't like the way it looks at me with those big eyes. Hmm. The skipper pleads once more. Gilligan opens the cabinet and covers the tiki's eyes and takes it out of the cabinet and walks it out of the hut. Hmm. So, yeah, they're just, I felt like, and maybe it's just me just being weird, but I felt like they were a little on the nosy side, just a little bit. (laughs) A little inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the captain was feeling a little too comfy. Yeah, right. And did you see that, like, medicine cabinet thing they had that the Tiki was in? Like, what the fuck? When did they have time to build that? (laughs) I wouldn't call it a medicine cabinet. I just called it a cabinet. But But it looks like something you'd see at, like, Ikea. Like, that's, like, legit. (laughs) It looked pretty good. Um, It's weird seeing that Skipper act like a wuss and, like, saying please and stuff. Like, it's just weird. Yeah, Yeah, it it was weird. Hmm. This whole episode is really vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Weird. <laughs> Scene seven. Seven. Gilligan walks through the jungle with the tiki idol to bury it, still covering its eyes. Suddenly, the ground begins to shake and rumble. Oh, shit. Knocking coconuts out of the trees and onto Gilligan's head. Oh. Once the quake stops, he holds up the tiki idol and says, Stop it, will you? I'm not afraid of you. I don't believe in your curse. Gilligan uncovers its eyes, but then quickly covers them again and goes on. Look, I didn't dig you up and I'm putting you back where you belong. He uncovers the eyes again and says, stop staring at me, will you? <laughs> and covers the eyes again and continues. I've got a good mind to throw you into the ocean. Oh, damn. Just then a clap of thunder roars overhead. 
Gilligan jumps and says, but I won't, I won't, I won't. <laughs> Gilligan continues on his mission as he repeats to himself, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I do believe in spooks. I do believe in spooks. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do believe in spooks. Sorry. Suddenly, lightning strikes a nearby tree and splits it right down the middle. Oh, damn. Gilligan's jaw drops in fear and then yells, I'm afraid. He then tosses the tiki owl straight up into the air and runs away in a panic. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I thought that was a really nice tree split effect. I thought yeah. it was pretty cool. I noticed that yeah. too. And I know I don't know if you noticed, but like it had like fire remnants on it. Like it was on fire after the tree split. So not yeah. only did they make the tree split, but they made it catch on fire too, which is, I don't yeah, know, that was impressive neat. to me. Yeah. I think the only thing missing that would have added to it a little bit better was having like at least one frame of just pure white. So it yeah, looked like lightning, like boom, you know. I don't like know. the camera's like washed out or something. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Scene eight. The skipper waits patiently back at the hut for Gilligan to complete his task. Gilligan finally returns. The skipper quickly asks, did you do it? Gilligan says, yeah, yeah. You know, like a liar. <laughs> the skipper goes on. Did you bury him in the right place? Gilligan says, well, kind of. You know, like a liar. (laughs) The skipper, a little panicked, asks, what do you mean, kind of? Gilligan says, that's close enough. You know, like a liar. (laughs) Skipper asks, what, like next to the pit? Gilligan says, well, it's sort of, you know, kind of next to the pit. You know, like a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Gilligan walks over to the water barrel to get something to drink. The skipper follows and asks Gilligan, did you bury Kona or did you not? Gilligan says, oh, he's better than buried. He's lost. (laughs) The skipper slowly freaks out more and asks, lost? You mean you didn't bury him? Gilligan, (laughs) how could you let me down like this? Gilligan says, I'm sorry, skipper, but I was scared. Gilligan attempts to get a sip of water when skipper stops him and asks, well, where is he? Gilligan says, I just fucking said he was lost. No. <laughs> Gilligan says, I just threw him and ran. Gilligan tries again to sip, but Skipper stops him again and says, just threw him and ran. Gilligan, you've got to show me where you threw him. Come on, show me. The Skipper pulls Gilligan to the door to leave the hut. As the Skipper steps out, Gilligan stops and picks up a machete and says, Skipper, we better take this. The skipper says, oh, never mind that Gilligan and grabs his little buddy and heads out the door. <laughs> you know, when I was watching, I felt like the machete gag was improvised by Bob Denver. But <laughs> yeah, I could see turns that. out like, I guess I needed it for the next scene, but I, mean, I don't know. It still seemed like it was improvised somehow. I don't know. I'm, I was wondering where the fuck they got a machete from. Like, I don't know. It was on board. It's yet another tool. thing that <laughs> this must have been. The, no wonder the boat crashed. They had so much shit on there that didn't belong. <laughs> but I feel like too, like, like maybe like they remembered too, like some like I don't know, like the uh, uh, like script supervisor was like, "Yo, like they need to grab the machete before they leave." Remember they have it in the next scene, and somebody's like, "Oh shit, that's right." <laughs> so they went to Bob Denver. Hey, on the way out, make sure you grab the machete. Right. So make sure we, we get that on camera, you grabbing a machete when you leave because you have it in the next scene. Otherwise, this whole script isn't going to be believable. <laughs> right. And so I feel like they didn't tell 
you know, the skipper that. So, you know, Gillian's like, and just like improvise something on the spot. Oh, hey, we better take this. <laughs> and the skipper's like, oh, fuck that fucking machete. Let's go, you know. Yeah, I and kind of pulls him out and they're like, yeah, it's good enough. He left with it. So that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I can see that. Yeah. Makes you wonder how much improvising was done on the show. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we can get, uh, you know, <laughs> Hope Juber back on the show. Well, I thought you were going to say Bob Denver. I was like, tag. <laughs> <laughs> no. <clears throat> you know, everybody's dead pretty much except. Tina Louise is. Tina Louise. Yeah. I'm like, you wouldn't do her. <laughs> <laughs> Scene nine. A few moments later, Gilligan leads the skipper to where he tossed the tiki addle. Gilligan looks down and notices his shoe needs to be tied. He bends down to tie it. The skipper, not paying any attention, says, Which way did you say you? But trips over Gilligan and onto the ground and yells out, Oop! Gilligan says, Oh, I'm sorry, skipper. I'm sorry. I was just tying my shoelace. My, my shoe was untied, skipper. He then helps the skipper to his feet, once again standing upright. The skipper stops himself from getting angry and just sighs. He says, All right, Gilligan. <laughs> I know your shoe was untied. He takes a deep breath and continues. Now, which way did you say? Gilligan says, over to your left, Skipper. Here, I'll lead you. I'll show you. But the Skipper stops him and says, no, I shall lead. <laughs> You've done enough for today. Thank you, Gilligan. Wow. A please I and know. a thank you. That's crazy. <laughs> skipper then walks ahead as Gilligan attempts to tie his shoe again. All of a sudden, all of a sudden <laughs> the Skipper yells out, Oop! Gilligan, help! Gilligan stops and runs to his aid. Hmm. Um, mm. well, did you notice what Skipper was wearing around his neck? Um, no. It was like some kind of, it was either, I couldn't tell what it was. It was either like gold or silver, or it was just some kind of white string or something. I couldn't really tell. But <laughs> it was some kind, it looked like it maybe an oversized black shark's tooth or maybe an arrowhead or something like that. Like I don't remember mm. him ever wearing it before, but... It was just hmm. kind of out of place in this. I thought it was kind of weird. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. So I thought Gilligan didn't know how to tie his shoes. Well, I mean, he apparently knew how to tie the professor's shoes in the last episode. So Oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I don't even think about that. Yeah, but we should have brought that up last week, though. You're absolutely correct. Hmm. He must have learned then. Maybe Mary Anton. Oh, I love that for him. You know, Marianne's like, you. I need to teach you how to tie your shoes, but we need something to tie. He's like, what about my shoes? No, 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 no. Like, I, why don't you go ahead and untie <laughs> my top, like my bikini top, and then you can practice on that. <laughs> I love that for him. I love that for him. She's too. a sly one. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Scene 10. Gilligan runs to find the skipper who is still yelling for help. He walks up and finds the skipper waist deep in quicksand. Ooh. Gilligan asks, Skipper, what are you doing in there? <laughs> Gilligan, <laughs> Gilligan walks to help the skipper, but the skipper yells back, Stop! Stay back, Gilligan. It's quicksand. Hmm. Gilligan reaches out and asks, Here, can you reach me? The skipper tries to reach him, but can't. He says, Nope. Yells for some reason. Even though Gilligan is, you know, six feet away. <laughs> no, I can't reach you. Gilligan, you know what's happening? Gilligan says, yeah, you're sinking. <laughs> the skipper in a panic yells out, it's the will of Kona. 
Oh. oh, I saw. No, I saw you. I saw I you look down. The, I saw you look down. I, I was. I was gonna wait for you to say I'm doomed. Okay, go ahead. I'm doomed. Gilligan says, "I'll go find the statue and bury it. <laughs> You'll be okay." <laughs> Gilligan then runs off. The skipper, still sinking slowly, says, "Gilligan, get back here. By the time you bury it, I'll be buried. Do something. Don't just stand there." Gilligan says, "I'll get some vines. Stay where you are." <laughs> <laughs> Stay where you are. <laughs> the, the skipper, still in a panic, says, yeah, just save me. Hurry. Gilligan runs around to find some vines. He yells out, stay where you are, skipper. Don't panic. <laughs> Gilligan, using his machete, he was almost told not to bring, begins <laughs> to cut the vines. The skipper, now up to his neck, yells out, I'm almost under. Help me. Just then, some vines fall down on top of the skipper. He grabs them to pull himself out of the quicksand. Meanwhile, Gilligan is still cutting vines with a machete. Gilligan says, I'll get you out, Skipper. Hold your breath, Skipper. As the Skipper pulls himself free, Gilligan, still cutting vines, says, I'll be right there, Skipper. Don't worry. I'm coming. <laughs> if you know what I mean. No. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> After he cuts some vines, he runs back to rescue the captain. Only when he returns, all he sees is the captain's hat floating on top of the quicksand. Mm. <laughs> oh. He stops. He says, Skipper, thank goodness you finally touched bottom. I'll get you out. Can you hold your breath a little longer? The skipper says, okay, Gilligan. As he cuts the vines to rescue him, he says, the vines got all tangled. The skipper says, I'm all right, Gilligan. Gilligan yells, I'll get you out in a second. The skipper finally walks up to Gilligan, covered in mud, and taps him on the shoulder. Gilligan says, not now, I'm busy. I got to get the skipper out of this quicksand. <laughs> the skipper says, Gilligan. Gilligan repeats, look, I told you, I'm busy. My friend is down there. He then turns <laughs> and sees that the skipper's standing next to him. He mm. says, oh, hi, skipper. You got out, huh? The skipper, still feeling doomed, says... It won't make any difference. Kona's going to get me sooner or later. <laughs> I thought it would have been funnier if he was like, he was like, Gilligan. You know, and then he was like, I told you I'm busy. Like, it would have been funnier if he would have said, I told you, mister. You know, like, it's <laughs> like he was some random guy off the street. You know. <laughs> but anyway, like, so who the hell saves the skipper? Like some random vines just like fell down. Well, in no, because if you notice, Gilligan cuts some vines and then they fall down yeah. on top of the skipper. I don't know how, but I guess. I mean, I picture like a tree branch going overhead, and then yeah. as it cuts, they fall. But but it looked like somebody was like lowering them down to him, and then he would looks up and goes, "Oh," and then pulls himself <laughs> out. You know, as if like somebody was helping him. Yeah, and I was like. Oh, it was really confusing. Well, yeah, now that you say it, it, it makes this whole episode unbelievable. Like, <laughs> uh, um, don't you talk that mess. <laughs> so, wait, like, okay, quicksand on this island? That's a little bit far fetched in and of itself. But right now, don't near, you talk that mess. Like, within walking distance of their huts that they come in and out of all the time? Like, okay. They literally just left their huts and all of a sudden there's quicksand that they've never noticed before. <laughs> they've been on the island for like two months at this point. I don't know what it is about the 60s, 70s, and some of the 80s loved quicksand. 
They put that shit. That was like that fucking. What's that hot sauce where they put that shit on everything? Oh, sriracha <laughs> or sriracha, whatever. No, I don't know what it is. It's like uh, Frank's hot sauce. Oh, yeah, their yeah, slogan yeah. is, you know, I put that shit on everything. <laughs> That's kind of like how quicksand was like in the 70s and 60s yeah. and 80s. They put that shit in everything. They there was some stand-up comedian, because we were talking about stand-up comedians earlier. There was some stand-up comedian that, that said that in one in his set. He's like, I really thought quicksand would be more of a problem when I was an adult. <laughs> yeah, I think it was John Mulaney. Yeah. I think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that shit was like everywhere, and you always had to look out for it. As a kid, that's what is forced in your yeah, brain. Right, yeah. I mean, even as a kid, you'd learn, like, well, everybody knows if you're caught in quicksand, you lay down so you don't sink as fast. <laughs> like, you learn that survival skill. Find a big branch and put it across the kick, the quicksand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, we all know how to survive quicksand. Hell yeah. But don't know how to escape our own homes in a fire. <laughs> and it's like, funny, because me and you used to go out and, and play in the woods when we were kids. And, like, we weren't prepared for a snake bite. Or <laughs> no. like a bobcat or a gator or even a or wild even a boar, wild hog. even a wild <laughs> boar, which I don't know about you, but I've been chased on my bike numerous times by wild boars, but we, we had our shit together with quicksand Fuck yeah! down like, here in central Florida. You know how to survive that shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed Gilligan, but that's the most unsafe way to use a machete. Like, did you... <laughs> What do you mean where he was like stabbing it towards himself? Yeah, he was literally chopping it like against his stomach. <laughs> against his leg. Yeah. Against his dick. Against all <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> don't take knife skills from the show. No, don't. <laughs> all right, scene 11. The next day, back at the dig site, Gilligan carries some bamboo to the professor as he says... We looked for Kona day and night, and we couldn't find him. Skipper sure is depressed. The professor says, I wish we could find a way to cheer him up. Gilligan says, I know. Let's give him a surprise birthday party. <laughs> the professor says, hey, that's a great idea. When's his birthday? Gilligan says, last month. <laughs> the professor repeats, last month? Gilligan says, yeah, it'll be a big surprise. The professor thinks for a second and says, you know, you may have something, Gilligan. So good job, good job. So wait, if they're using the trunk, yeah, why do they need the bamboo? I don't know what they're building with the bamboo. I don't know if it, they said it for support. So some kind of support. If they're gonna maybe they're gonna make some sort of trap door so that mm-hmm. they don't have to like unpack all the sand around it. They just have to lift up the trap door. Well, what happens mm-hmm. when it rains and that hole fills with water? I just, I don't get what they're trying to do, but whatever. <laughs> it's the professor. We need to trust him. He knows everything. That's true. Everything. He knows about, <laughs> he knows about architecture. Yeah, right. He knows about engineering. He knows about carpentry. Like I heard his middle name is Britannica. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I heard. Um, I thought his middle name was Danger. I thought it was fucking Google, but okay. Um Scene 12. Later, while gathering food and flowers for everyone and the party, Marianne stumbles across the tiki idol. <laughs> she picks it up and says, hey, look at this, Ginger. Look what I found. She runs it over to Ginger. <laughs> she runs it over to Ginger as Ginger asks, what is it? Ooh, it's some kind of native carving. Marianne suggests, let's show it to the skipper. He'll know what it is. Hmm. <laughs> Skipper, what the fuck? Why would they not show it to the professor? 
We were literally just talking about how much the, uh, the professor knows. I know, but the skipper always seems to know about like oh. native, like yeah, that's true. Curses and fucking whatever. Fucking whatever. <laughs> Ginger thinks for a second and says, "Wait a minute, this will be our present." <gasps> Marianne smiles and says, "What a great idea! Boy, will he be surprised." <laughs> now, the way she said it, she goes, "Wait a minute, this will be our present." What were they thinking about before? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Damn. But you know what we should do? You know what Skipper would really love from us? <laughs> and they're like, I don't know, but he's kind of, I don't know, he's probably got saggy. Like, yeah. And then they're like, oh, look what we just found. Maybe this will be our surprise. This will be our like, surprise. Yes. Then we won't be sore tomorrow. <laughs> what? <laughs> then we won't have to have old balls in our mouth. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, scene 13. Next, the skipper sits at the table while the castaways sing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow to him for his birthday. They all clap once finished. The skipper smiles. Gilligan asks, feel better, skipper? The skipper, beaming with pride, says, thanks to all of you, I feel just fine. Aww. I salute every one of you. Ginger asks, do you like the cake? The skipper says, it was wonderful. Mr. Howell says, well, that must have been. He ate half of it. <laughs> Boom, roasted. <laughs> they all just laugh. Where did they get cake from? Sorry. <clears throat> you know, Marianne makes that shit. She makes batters and all kinds of shit. The professor, trying to move things forward, says, All right, Skipper, time to open your presents. The professor hands the Skipper a gift wrapped in leaves and flowers and says, This one's from me. Skipper says, Why, gee, Professor, thanks a lot. I can't thank you enough. He opens the gift, and it's a book. Skipper smiles real big and says, It's something I've always wanted. The history of tree surgery. Aww. Skipper just laughs. The professor says, One of my favorites. Skipper says, Well, I'll let everybody read it after I'm through with it. Ginger says, Yeah, but don't tell us the ending. I love suspense. <laughs> Gilligan now hands the skipper his present for the skipper. He says, this one's from me. I hope you like it. Skipper takes it and says, Oh, Gilligan, you shouldn't have. He unwraps a cylindrical box and opens it up. The skipper lights up and says, Oh, Gilligan, you shouldn't have. It's your favorite pocket knife. You've been carrying it around for years. How come you want to give it to me? Gilligan says, It's broken. <laughs> skipper just rolls his eyes. Next, Mrs. Howell hands the skipper a small box. She says, here you are, Skipper, a little gift for your birthday. <laughs> Skipper takes the box and says, Mr. and Mrs. Howell. Mr. Howell smiles with pride. The Skipper opens the box and says, looks like a gold earring. Mrs. Howell says, it is. I think every sea captain should look like a pirate. <clears throat> Mr. Howell adds, be sure and wear it with basic black. Skipper chuckles and says, well, certainly, Mr. Howell. Skipper says, gee, I think this is the nicest birthday party I ever had. Ginger says, you forgot our presents, Skipper. Hell yeah. Mm. <laughs> and then Marianne's like, oh, no, wait. Remember we got the, we found that thing? Oh, that, yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. shit, that's right. That's right. Marianne reaches down and hands it to him and says, here, you'll love it. Skipper sets the gift on the table in front of him. 
It's wrapped all the way around with palm fronds. Skipper says, thanks, girls. He stares at it for a second before he opens it and says, I just want to say thanks very much. I know I was kind of feeling sorry for myself and pretty low, but it was silly of me to take that stuff so seriously. And, well, thanks to all of you, I think everything's going to be just fine. The skipper then lifts the wrapping and reveals the tiki statue right in front of him. Mm. Oh, damn. Skipper's eyes, I know. The skipper's eyes wide as he shouts, Kona! 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 Exactly. Skipper jumps up from the table and runs away in fear. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if you know, when they were singing to him, like, he was so damn full of himself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how you are, but when people sing happy birthday to me, I get kind of embarrassed. I'm, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. He's just like, yeah. ha ha, look at me. You know what I mean? He's so damn My full people. of himself. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm embarrassed for stuff like that. Yeah. The, the professor, man, he thought the Hal's joke was fucking hilarious. Did you see how hard he was laughing at that shit? Dude, he fucking he, lost he it. The at whole that joke. damn thing. Said, That's right. I, I am fat. I am fat. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the That's professor. True. Oh, sorry. Professor laughed his ass off at that joke. Oh, <laughs> professor did. <laughs> like, like way too hard. Like if I was like, he is oh, out of shape. You can, you know, give it to Tack. You know he's hungry, and, I, and that's like me just fucking cracking up at that joke. You'd be like, "Damn, man! Like, it ain't that funny, shit." <clears throat> yeah, come on, the professor isn't allowed to have a sense of humor very often. So, well, I know, but it's just funny that it's like a joke about the professor yeah. about um about the, a fat the skipper. Captain, yeah, yeah, and he's laughing the fat hard skipper, about that's- it. Ah, he was. He did eat the whole thing. Fat ass. God. <laughs> Well, that's the stuff that Professor thinks is funny. That's true. <laughs> All right, so this is where we take our next break. So the skipper thought he was finally free of the curse of Kona, mm. but was surprised to find himself right back in the clutches of the Tiki Idol. Mm. Will the skipper ever be free? Will the Tiki Idol destroy the entire island? Will Vincent Price show up to collect it for himself and Oliver? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be back. comic book fan? We've got a few questions for you. Were you obsessed with X-Men as a kid? Did you stand in line to get a copy of the death of Superman in the black poly bag? Did you buy every image comic no matter how long it took to hit the shelves? Then have we got the show for you. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics is the podcast where Adam and Michael re-examine the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine and explore the world of gimmick covers, massive crossover events, and find out if those 20 copies of X-Force number one you stashed in your long box really did put your kids through college. And that's not all. We also bring you exclusive interviews with former Wizard staff members who tell behind the scenes stories from the guide to comics that defined a generation. In our 
special series, The Wizard Files. And wait, there's more! You'll get mini-episodes with 90s comic book reviews and more nostalgic fun. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics is brought to you by the Retro Network every Wednesday. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast app, and remember to keep your books bagged and boarded. Good one. <laughs> That's great. Man, I can't it's believe so we gross. took two days off. No, I don't know. It was just, I don't know. It was done. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yes. So, last week, uh, you read an email from our good friend Jill. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yep. And she was saying she, she kind of missed the Brady Bunch content. Oh, right? uh, yeah, that's true. So, yeah. I thought it might mm-hmm. be kind of fun to bring back a little bit of Brady Bunch content in a way and to see. Uh-huh how much you at home have been paying attention to the Brady Bunch when we did it in the form oh. of a little pop quiz. Oh, oh shit. shit. Oh shit. A little pop quiz. <clears throat> okay, okay. All right. Question number, and you don't have to email these in or anything. This is just to listen to <laughs> just test yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Honor system. <clears throat> exactly. Question one, in what year did the Brady Bunch hit our screens? Like what? And oh. what year was it on television? Put it that way. Gotcha. Um, it was sixty nine, nineteen sixty nine. It was nineteen sixty nine. Boom, <laughs> boom. What was noticeably absent from the show, given the current affairs of the time? You mean aside from a toilet? Yeah. Like seeing that the time, the era that it was in. Mm-hmm. What was noticeably absent? Your very first guest clued in on this oh yes oh so it was ron yes ron clued on this almost immediately well i mean this was it was just after the jfk assassination right um vietnam mm-hmm. um i'm not sure well you're partially right any political commentary including mentions of the vietnam war yeah. so you're, you're partially right yeah. question number three which character died in a road traffic accident during season one, requiring a replacement oh. that never really worked out. Yeah. Tiger. Yes. Tiger the dog. That's the reason why he never appeared again, because Tiger 2 pissed off Robert Reed well, so because they just like, went to the fucking pound and got some dog that went drain. <laughs> and Robert Reed was like, this fucking dog sucks. I never want him on my fucking set again. And they were like, all right, fair enough. And Sherwood Schwartz is like, well, it's, you know, it's my set, but okay. Um, <laughs> What'd you say, Sherwood? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. I was just getting rid of this fucking dog. <laughs> fucking dog. Um, Piece of shit dog, right? All right. <laughs> question four. I woke the beast. In what year did an actor of the show first receive an award nomination? Oh. Um, I'm going to guess. I have no idea. Um, 71? No, 1989. Oh, shit. Yeah, Barry Williams. Barry Williams for his award was former child star lifetime achievement award. Oh. You know what lifetime achievement award means, though? 
You know what I mean? We is a fake award, so you appear on our show. No, life like they would give a <laughs> lifetime achievement award to like William Shatner, um, somebody that they're just like, okay, you've done good. You can retire now. Like <laughs> you're done. Like lifetime achievement award. Yay! Your career was great. If you catch what we're saying. <laughs> You did a good job. You did a good thing. You're You've achieved set. a lot in Let's your go ahead career. And wrap this. <laughs> like that's that's what Let's that go is. Ahead and wrap wrap your career up in a little bow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know William Shatner is like ninety two years old, and he and, was on um da- um um Mass Singer. Yeah, and he's still that's doing insane. shit, he's sweating like, his ass went. off in that thing. <laughs> he still fucking rides horses and shit. <laughs> I, I was watching some show on Netflix where he's a host of. And it was just a couple of years ago that the show was shot. And I was like, do you know how old he is talking to my son? I was like, he's like 91 there. And my son was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Kudos to him, man. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> how many squares were shown during the intro of the show? Well, that would be nine. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Neighbor Ken Berry was the adoptive father of three boys. How were the children diverse? Oh, uh, white, black, Asian. <laughs> yeah. About Kelly's kids? White, Asian, and one of color. Oh, sorry. Yes. In what year did the series become available on DVD? Oh, God, I don't know. Yes. Um, let's guess 98. 2005. Holy shit. People had to wait that fucking long. What year was the final airing of the final episode of the Brady Bunch? Bonus points if you can get the date. Oh, damn. Yes. It was 1974. Yes. And it was in, I'm going to guess, March. 12th. I don't know. March 8th. Holy shit. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, not even kidding. Damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fucking so close. <laughs> How many members of the Brady Bunch family were there? <laughs> um, eight. <laughs> Would they say nine? But I agree with you. It's eight. Yeah. Who was Daniel Allen Martin? Who is Daniel Allen Martin? Yes. Dan Martin. I mean, is this some sort of like executive on the show or something nope it was a character oh i don't know that was flohan's or i'm sorry that was carol's first husband yes but how yes. do you know that apparently it's mentioned <laughs> oh, oh oh the character's name is dan yeah, martin yeah. oh i'm thinking of an actor i'm like i don't know any actors named that oh yeah 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 martin yeah okay who said if there's anything I can't stand, it's a perfect kid. And six of them? Yuck. I think Alice said that, didn't she? Yes, Alice yeah. said that. Despite becoming a blending family, what did Carol Brady say were the only steps in her home? I guess the staircase? Yeah, the Is steps that, that led upstairs, yeah. <laughs> During the musical episode, yeah, which member of the Brady family was asked to lip sync instead of sing. <laughs> you know, that was Christopher Knight. Exactly. <laughs> Mr. Mass Singer himself. 
which season had the least amount of episodes with 22? Oh, um, I don't remember. I'm just going to shoot season three. What month did each season premiere? Um, September or October. One of the two. September. How many episodes in total have there been of the Brady Bunch? Um, 109. 117. Apart from season two, which aired at 7.30 p.m., what time did every other season air for its Friday night viewing? Um, I'm guessing this is central time. Um, seven, eight, eight, eight. Which American actor was initially cast to play Mike Brady? I know this. Um, I want to say, I forgot his name. Um, he played Lex Luthor. Yep, he did. Um, of course that's, he's played a million roles, but, um, I can't think of his name though. Um, Gene, Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman. Um, who was adamant about doing their own stunts on the show, resulting in injury and even a short disappearance during shooting. Um, Barry Williams. Yes. Barry Williams. Which actor had strawberry blonde hair? but had to have it dyed to fit in with the aesthetics of the show. Mike and Luke and Lamb. Hell yeah. Which actor, this is a hard one. Okay. I'm telling you, this is, this is a hard one. Oh, this is where we get double points now. Yeah. Which actor would often argue with the writers and producers (laughs) about the script before ultimately refusing to reappear for season six, which ended up never being recorded anyways. Tiger? No. <laughs> no. One more chance. Uh, let's go with Robert Reed. <laughs> Robert Reed, yes. And what year was the house built? Oh, God. Is this a uh, Brady Bunch, like, canon, or is this, like, actual, like, what year was the house built? Um, I'm, I'm assuming the actual house. Okay. Um, 1954. I don't know. 1959. <laughs> What was the address of the home on the show? Oh, my God. Um, I know they lived on Clinton Way. Yes, I'll take that. That's good enough. It was 4222 Clinton Way. (sighs) What was unusual about the well-shown sliding glass door in the Brady home? It was unusual? It's something we've joked joked around about enough. (laughs) The house last went on the market in 2018. What was the asking price? I don't know, five million or something. I don't know. One point eight million, but it sold for five million. Where in Los Angeles is the house located? Are you looking for an address or just the city? No, just the the, the area of Los Angeles. Oh, um, Burbank or Studio City or something. San Fernando Valley. What did the owners of the house refuse to allow Paramount to do for the 1995 Brady Bunch movie? I don't know. Alter it? I don't know. Yeah. Restore the exterior to its 1969 look, which meant, excuse me, a false exterior was put up around the building for the movie. Hmm. So that's it. That's enough questions for now, but you'll okay. have to let us know how you guys think you did. Yeah. Some of those, I mean, some of the, I skipped over a lot of questions because some were just 
lame. Like, <laughs> like yeah. who was Alice Nelson? <laughs> yeah. Who had the best butt on the Brady Bunch? You know, those kind of questions, you know, with obvious answers. I mean, Alice, come on. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was fun. I like that. That was cool. Mm-hmm. We should do more of those. That's good. Fun, fun. All right. So you ready to get back into it? I am ready to get back into this little asshole. <laughs> well, when we left off. Yes. So upon digging on the island for a storage for food, okay. Skipper happens upon a tiki idol. Hmm. Superstitious captain thinks he'll be cursed from the evil god Kona unless he buries it back from whence it came. Hmm. Every time he thinks he's rid of the idol, it comes back to him. This time. <laughs> this time in the form of a birthday gift from the girls. Skipper freaks out and runs away. Scene 14. Ginger is now walking through the jungle looking for the skipper. She finds him sitting on a rock alone with his thoughts. She says, here you are. I've been looking all over for you. She sits down next to him when he says, why don't you just ask Kona? He knows where I am all the time. Ginger says, oh, stop it. You should be ashamed of yourself. You can't quit now. Skipper says, I'm not quitting now. I quit three hours ago. Ginger says, oh, the way you talk. Don't you talk that mess. That's right. The skipper, feeling sorry for himself, says, it's the way I feel. Ginger says, you know what I think? (laughs) The skipper looks at Ginger as she says, I think that you're forgetting about the six people on this island. That really love you. The skipper looks at her in size and says, If I could just forget about the one little guy on this island that hates me. Mm. Hmm. Mm. So, okay, where did she get this outfit from? (laughs) I actually did notice it. She, she has like three a, outfits now. Yeah. Well, one she made. But they make it a point. With, but they make it a point to say all, for her to say all I have is a night, is an evening gown. They make it true. a point to say that. Right. She That's all she wore. And then the other dress she wears, she made, which we know. And this one, I'm guessing she, it didn't look difficult. It looks like she took some. It's, it's a printed fabric. Like where <laughs> the know. fuck did she get printed fabric from? Maybe it was on um, the shower on the boat. I don't know. <sighs> Um, so they've been stranded for like a few months and they already love each other. Like, well, okay. I say yes, because you tend to bond closer with people that you run, that you have like misery with. Plus they're, they are spending like 24 seven with each other for what? Nine weeks now, every single day. All I day. Know. I still, I don't know. Love each other. That's a strong word though. Mm. It's obvious. She tosses that shit around too much. Just saying. <laughs> Scene 15. Meanwhile, back at Gilligan's little asshole, Gilligan sits with the tiki idol on his lap, covering the eyes, of course, while the professor <laughs> digs inside Gilligan's little asshole. Gilligan says, thanks for helping me bury the statue, professor. 
The professor says, there. I guess that's deep enough. Hell yeah. Mm. Gilligan says, a little deeper, huh? If you know what I mean. <laughs> I want them down so deep, we'll get the bends. Oh, shit. Bend over. <laughs> yeah. The professor sighs from exhaustion and says, that statue can't possibly get out of this pit. Gilligan says, I don't know, Professor. Every time I throw him away, he comes back. I think the little devil's got boomerang blood. <laughs> the professor, not giving in to all the childish games, simply says, put him in the pit. Gilligan asks, a little deeper, please. Hell yeah, he said that. <laughs> the professor sighs and digs in his little asshole a little bit deeper. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. It's getting freaky. <laughs> so why don't they just burn it? I don't understand. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's got to be in from whence it came to break the curse. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Scene 16. Back at the skipper's pity party. Oh. Ginger tries a new tactic. She says... You're the kind. Oh, no, she didn't talk like that. She says, You're the kind of man that any young, attractive girl would love to spend the rest of her life with. It's <laughs> that word again. Yeah, right. The skipper looks at her and then looks away. Not sure if he's buying this or not. Ginger goes on. Why, you're lots of things, skipper. <laughs> the skipper thinks for a second as to what she just said. He sighs again and says, yes, and I'm doomed. I'm scared, and I'm through. Mm. The skipper just walks off away from Ginger. Ginger is left confused. Mm. I know she's like, a man turned me down? Like, what? Yeah, right? I think that I think that Tiki Idol is magic because it magically turned Skipper Emo, which is kind of neat. <laughs> um Next, he'll start wearing black and putting like glow sticks in his mouth and shit like that. You know, he's gonna so, have his hair on one covering one side of his face. He's gonna be like, "Mrs. How can I borrow your powder to make my face white?" <laughs> I need your mascara. <laughs> Do you have any black lipstick? <laughs> Scene seventeen. Back at the dig site, Gilligan and the professor stand outside. The little asshole. Gilligan says, "Let's cover that statue so no one will ever find it." The professor agrees and says, right. As they turn to get dirt on their shovels to bury it, the skipper walks over in a daze and not paying any attention as to where he's walking and falls right into Gilligan's little asshole. Oh. Once in the hole, he looks up and is now face to face with Kona, the tiki god of evil. Mm-hmm. The skipper jumps up and screams and runs out of the hole and as far as he can go. All in fast forward, apparently. Gilligan and the professor still hold shovels to bury the tiki idol. Gilligan watches as the skipper runs off. He yells out, Skipper, watch out for that tree. <laughs> that, that was, and I know how it was done, and I know it's nothing magical or even fancy, but that was a really effective effect that the that with Gilligan and, Gilligan and the professor just standing there kind of still. Yeah. Well, the skipper ran around and fast forward. And obviously, <laughs> right. just told him not to move very much and just move really slow. Yeah. 
but it was so effective for the time because it really made it look like they were moving normal speed and mm-hmm. the skipper was running around and fast forward. Like, I thought it was pretty effective. I thought it was pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So at first I was like, is this a George of the Jungle reference? You know, I had said that too that later on in another scene. I say that, yeah. But I actually I just Googled it while well, I Googled it when I was writing the synopsis. And so the George of the Jungle cartoon didn't come out until 1967, and this is 1964. Oh. So I'm wondering if George of the Jungle stole from Gilligan's Island. Was that Sherwood Shorts? No. I looked that up too. There mm. wasn't any involvement with anybody. Weird. Yeah. Hmm. Somebody done, somebody's messing around. Mm-hmm. Scene 18. The skipper now lies in bed. Oh, shit. With a bandage wrapped around his head. He winces with pain as he says, oh, my head. The Professor Gilligan and Marianne stand around him. Dr. Professor says, <laughs> well, his pulse seems to be normal. The skipper, still feeling doomed, says, it's no use, Professor. There's nothing you can do for me. I'm a doomed man. Mm. Gilligan says, skipper, you just hit your head on a tree. You'll be all right. The skipper says, oh, Gilligan, I keep telling you, it's the will of Kona. You just won't believe me. (laughs) Oh, my head. Marianne asks, well, is there anything we can do? The professor says, he'll just have a bad headache. That's all. Marianne says, oh, is that all? I didn't know you had an MRI machine around here and (laughs) the ability to do a CT scan. Ass. No, Gilligan says, <laughs> my grandmother used to always say, starve a cold and feed a fever. Mm-hmm. The professor crosses his arms with a snooty attitude and says, <laughs> Gilligan, he's got a bump on his head. He doesn't have a cold and he doesn't have a fever. Mm. Gilligan says, I know, chief, <laughs> but if he gets them, we'll be ready, pal. No problem, buddy. The professor nods as if to patronize Gilligan and says, No problem, gay lord. No, he doesn't say that, but but I know where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, the professor nods as if to patronize Gilligan and says, Well, let's let him rest for a while. You watch him, Gilligan. Come on, Marianne. He then takes Marianne by the wrist and escorts her out of the hut. So weird. Yeah, it is weird. But just before they can exit, the Howells arrive. And Mr. Howell asks, mind if we come in? Mrs. Howell says, we've been out in the waiting room for a while. (laughs) The professor says, all right, but just don't stay too long. The professor escorts Marion out of the hut and they both leave. Together. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. No, hell no. We don't want that. No, no. She's like, get your meat hooks off of me. <laughs> and Gilligan's like, that's right. Get your meat hooks off. Please. <laughs> right. Mr. Howell walks up to the resting captain and says very loudly, well, old fella, you look pretty chipper for someone who's cracked his little head wide open. <laughs> the skipper moans in pain and grabs his head. Mrs. Howell says, Thurston, you frightened him. You shouldn't talk like that with someone who's so desperately ill. (laughs) The professor pops in and says, come on, folks, let the skipper sleep. Mr. Howell says, 
well, all right, but he'll never recover if you mollycoddle him. Mm-hmm. Right, Tack? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm fucking doing mollycoddling. I don't fucking mo- mollycoddle nobody. I hate that. There was someone we went to high school with that mollycoddle all the time. Fucking mollycoddle. Yeah. And then finally she was like, hey, can you repeat the question? <laughs> the professor says, Mr. Howell, have you seen the bruise on the skipper's head? Mr. Howell retorts and says, have you seen the bruise on that tree? It's horrifying. I feel like I ought to notify Smokey the Bear. <laughs> she cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> he then takes his wife by the hand and says, come along. Mrs. Howell says, bye-bye. <laughs> and they both exit. <laughs> After the Howells exit, Gilligan says, don't worry, Skipper. You'll be all right. The Skipper says, it's useless. It's useless. The only one who can save me is Watubi. The professor rolls his eyes. The skipper goes on, only Watubi. Gilligan asks, Watubi? Who's he? The skipper says, the ancient witch doctor. He's the only one that can lift the curse of Kona off of me. Watubi. Mm -hmm. The professor argues and says, skipper, Watubi is just more native superstition. Watubi doesn't exist. The captain just continues to repeat, Watubi. Watubi. Gilligan asks, is he all right? The professor says, it's his mental attitude, Gilligan. He's giving up. He hasn't got the will to go on. Gilligan says, just because he's superstitious? The professor says, I'm afraid so. It's plain fear, Gilligan. Plain fear. Why, if he doesn't just snap out of it, he can talk himself into anything. Oh, shit. Gilligan's like, really? <laughs> anything, you say? <laughs> Hell yeah. Because let's scare his ass some more. No. <laughs> so Marianne didn't seem too pleased to be escorted out of there by the professor. Did you yeah, see I that? I when he that like, too, grabbed yeah. her by the wrist, she had a look like her face like, dude, what the but fuck? Like, okay, I guess I'm leaving. <laughs> I thought Mr. Howell's... <clears throat> Reference about Smokey the Bear was hilarious. Because <laughs> he was like, have you seen the bruise on that tree? It's horrifying. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't like them, but man, they are funny sometimes. I put on here an, yet another outfit for Marianne. Does she, have, <laughs> she had another outfit. Was it this scene or the next scene that she had another outfit on? Well, I remember she was wearing a, well, she was a really nice one later. But I remember she was wearing like a dress, like a. The blue and white yeah, like, it is. Yeah. picnic table like dress. Yeah. But I mean, it's yet another outfit for Marianne in this. Like, yeah. where the fuck are they getting all these outfits from? Oh, my God. Um, what's the point of the bandage on his head if he's not bleeding? <laughs> I have no idea. I thought it was kind of like, like a compress. Um, but I don't think it's a good idea. This reminds me, and this is <laughs> not funny. In fact, it's kind of dark. Um, when Before my mom passed away and she's in the hospital, she um, had kidney failure and she was septic. Yeah. And it reminded me of the time when um, when she she kept, she was delusional. She kept calling out the name Maggie. Mm. Which I, don't, <laughs> I have no clue who Maggie is. But that's the way the captain was act, acting when he was kind of talking nonsense. It kind of brought me back yeah. for a second. I was like, oh, shit, that's kind of creepy. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I put, I think the skipper's kind of losing it. But I thought Smokey the Bear cared about fires, not bruises. <laughs> like he's not like only you can prevent tree bruises. I mean, that's not what Smokey the Bear said. Like, well, Smokey the Bear was really big on you know conservation. I guess it was more about fires than anything else. But I don't know. 
And do you think maybe Maggie was like a nurse there? No. Oh, there wasn't any Maggie's, Maggie's there as a nurse. Because I talked to all the nurses and doctors. Mm. I don't know. Hmm. Scene 19. Later that night, the skipper is fast asleep and finally resting. Mm. Gillian, who sits to watch over him, falls asleep sitting up and then falls over and buries his face in the captain's shoulder. Mm. And they both continue to sleep. That's what you call molly coddling, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the skipper scoots his face closer to Gilligan to do a little face molly coddling. Mm-hmm. He smiles and then realizes he's cuddling with Gilligan, but then just simply looks in the camera and sighs. He says, Gilligan. Gilligan sleeps away. Skipper repeats, Gilligan. <laughs> Gilligan jolts awake and sits up. He asks, you want something, Skipper? Skipper sighs and says, no, but I want to do something for you. Give me my sea chest. (laughs) Get me my sea chest. Gilligan gets up and behind him is a chest on a table. He picks up the heavy chest and sets it next to the Skipper. Skipper says, Gilligan. Gilligan reaches closer and says, yes, Skipper. Skipper whispers, it's on my fingers. Gilligan quickly lifts the chest, and the skipper pulls his hand out from under it. Skipper says, Gilligan, I don't know how much longer I can hang on, but I want you to have some of my valuable possessions. Gilligan says, oh, come on, Skipper, don't be silly. You'll need all your things. You'll be up and around by tomorrow. Don't you talk that mess. (laughs) Skipper says, no, I won't. The Watubi didn't come. Gilligan says, Skipper, you've been through worse than this. Skipper argues, Gilligan, the Watubi didn't come. Now please don't argue, I'm too weak. Skipper reaches over and grabs his hat. He says, do you know what this is? (laughs) Gilligan says, yeah, your hat. Skipper says, it's more than a hat. It means leadership. After I'm gone, you'll be Skipper. Gilligan, not liking the sound of that, says, oh, no. Skipper says, put it on. (laughs) Gilligan says, no, Skipper, you're still the Skipper. It's all sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) The Skipper argues again, put it on. Gilligan takes his bucket hat off and places the captain's hat on his head as he says, but there's only one Skipper, Skipper. I can never be Skipper. Skipper takes a look at Gilligan in his captain's hat and says, you're right, take it off. (laughs) And Gilligan removes the hat and hands it back to the skipper as he says, Skipper, we do need you. Skipper says, Gilligan, you've got to be brave and face the facts. I want you to open my sea chest. <laughs> Some of the most valuable, sorry, just remembering something coming up. Some of my most valuable possessions are in there. Gilligan opens the sea chest and says, sorry. <laughs> Boy, look at all this junk. Look at all the shit in here. <laughs> he flips the lid open and drops on the skipper's belly, and the skipper yells out, Oop! Gilligan says, Oh, sorry, skipper. Skipper says, Junk, my life is in that chest. That stuff is priceless. Gilligan pulls out an item and says, A bottle cap? The skipper thinks and says, Singapore, 1947. From the first bottle of beer I ever opened with my teeth. Gilligan asks, What did you want to do that for? Skipper says, I didn't want to, but some guy hit me in the mouth with a bottle. 
You can have that too. Gilligan, just trying to be nice, says, if you want me to have it. (laughs) (laughs) So the skipper pulled a Jim Halper. That's kind of (laughs) cool. How much longer he can hold on? Like, what what a fucking wuss, man. Like, what the fuck (laughs) is he talking about? He hit his head on a tree. That's it. (laughs) Well, no, he's more concerned about his curse. Fucking drama queen. (laughs) (laughs) Very much. (laughs) Scene 20. Gilligan looks inside the chest again and pulls out another item. He says, hey, I bet this has got a lot of memories, huh? He spins a noisemaker as the captain puts his hand on top of his head in pain. Gilligan says, oh, sorry, Skipper, I forgot your head. The Skipper says, oh, what difference does it make? Take it anyway. Gilligan continues to look inside the chest to find some more memories for the Skipper. He pulls out a large fake spider and places it on his hand. He <laughs> smiles and asks, Hey, Skipper, what does this remind you of? The skipper looks over and says, Nothing. Must have crawled in there. <laughs> Gilligan freaks out and tosses the spider across the room. <laughs> I fucking died. <laughs> and what made that shot even better is when he tossed it, you can see the you spider. You can see it. <laughs> it's the curtains. <laughs> Also, they should have used a real spider. That would be fine. <laughs> now, since we've stopped, I'm sorry. But what made this also a great gag was just uh, the skipper's delivery because he wasn't shocked to see a large spider. He just said nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just must have just crawled in there. <laughs> 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 she was so funny. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> the skipper says, there's just one more thing. I want you to have this ring. The skipper shows a pinky ring that he wears on his left hand. Gilligan says... No, I couldn't take that. The skipper insists, please take it. Gilligan says, no, no, I can't. Skipper says, don't argue and help me take it off. Gilligan says, but skipper, I don't think I should take that ring. Skipper barks, take it. Gilligan says, meanwhile, Mr. Fairley's out (laughs) listening in the hallway. (laughs) Gilligan says, okay, but I don't want to. As Gillian takes a look at this ring, still on the captain's hand, the captain says, it's been in my family for over 200 years. Gillian, trying to take it off, says, it won't budge. The skipper says, well, keep at it. It's most important that you have it. As he continues to try and get it off, he asks, are you sure you want me to have it? The skipper says, yes, Gillian. To get better leverage, Gillian tries to stand on top of the bed with the skipper and asks, could you move over a little bit? <laughs> he pulls and pulls, but the ring won't budge. The skipper says, never mind. Maybe we better forget it. Gilligan says, no, skipper, I'll get it. <laughs> Gilligan now straddles the skipper and pulls at it some more. Gilligan places one foot on the captain's <laughs> chest and pulls <laughs> at his finger. The skipper says, Gilligan, never mind. <laughs> Just then, the professor walks in and asks... <laughs> Gilligan, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> He's got his foot up on his chest. <laughs> Gilligan gets down off the bed and says, oh, I, uh, the skipper wanted to give me uh, th- his ring. The professor asks, skipper, is your head all right? Skipper says, I don't know, but my fingers are killing me. <laughs> the professor says, you better get some sleep. Gilligan, you come on outside. And he grabs Gilligan by the arm and pulls him outside as if he was a nine-year-old in trouble and about to get a whooping. (laughs) 
it's <laughs> funny because professor's like, you keep an eye on him in here and make sure, you know, he's okay. And he comes in and check on him and there's Gillian standing on his chest pulling him. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so, so wait a minute. He had a tiki. This episode has had a tiki idol, a curse. Yeah. And a spider. <laughs> wow yeah talk about like recycling holy crap <laughs> um he should have lubricated it with his mouth you know like like you used to do with mine even when i didn't actually take my ring off i don't know what you're talking about jimmy mm. okay <laughs> All right. scene 21 once outside the hut the professor asks what was that all about Gilligan says, he thinks he's done for. He wanted to give me all his possessions. The professor says, no, I was afraid of that. That means he's sinking lower. Gilligan says, yeah, he seemed real disappointed that Watubi didn't come. The professor says, oh, Skipper and his silly superstitions. You know, he wanted to say fucking. <laughs> Gilligan says, silly or not, I wish Watubi would come. Whoever he is. The professor thinks for a second and says, Gilligan, I think I know who Watubi is. <laughs> Gilligan lights up and asks, who, who? The professor places his hand on Gilligan's chest and smiles. Yep. Once the connection is made that Gilligan himself will be the Watubi, he simply says very disappointedly, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he should still have the native outfit from the first or second episode, right? <laughs> this is the first but episode. He put that together somehow. Like <laughs> First episode he did. Yeah, right. Right. Scene 22. Later, as the captain sleeps, the professor peeks into the hut to make sure the skipper's asleep. Hmm. When he sees he is, he gives the signal. A small explosion outside the hut goes off and releases smoke everywhere. This wakes the captain up and he yells out, fire, fire, fire. Mm -hmm. But Gilligan, dressed in native clothing and war paint, walks in along with Ginger and Marianne in hula skirts, wow. war paint, and lays. Mm. Gilligan coughs a few times from the smoke and says, Watubi, Watubi. <laughs> the skipper in shock says, Watubi, I didn't think you were going to make it. <laughs> Gilligan says, neither did I, and coughs some more. <laughs> Gilligan deepens his voice and goes on, uh... I mean, Watubi, here to lift curse of Kona. Gilligan hits the skipper in the gut with a ceremonial stick. <laughs> the skipper lets out a loud, oop. You will? Gilligan, I mean, uh, I mean uh, the Watubi says, <laughs> yes, magic powder, please. Both Marianne and Ginger hold two coconut cups filled with powder. Gilligan pulls some of this quote unquote powder <laughs> from each cup and throws it in the skipper's face. The skipper sneezes. Ginger says, Gesundheit. Mm -hmm. Skipper says, thank you. Gilligan now whispers to Marianne, I forgot the chant. Marianne says, so did I. Gilligan turns to Ginger and says, do you remember? You were supposed to. Ginger says, sorry, I only had an hour to learn my lines. The skipper now losing patience says, Watubi, what is it? What's the matter? Gilligan says in a Gilligan voice, uh, we forgot our lines, <laughs> but then corrects himself and deepens his voice and says, uh, nothing, my son, and smacks the skipper in the gut with a stick again. Mm -hmm. The skipper lets out a oop. 
Gilligan decides to improvise and just dances around the skipper <laughs> doing a generic native song. He smacks the skipper a couple more times in the gut. The girls both do hula dances as the Watubi witch doctor dances around the skipper. They all end their big number with a big, hey. <laughs> Marianne looks so hot and she was showing her belly button too. Actually, they both were showing their belly buttons. Ginger even had like a little jewel in her belly button. But hmm. Marianne looks really hot. Oh, he's a fucking surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, one thing that hit me with this episode. Yeah. It's so nice to see a show because this took place in the 60s. Yep. You know, there's a lot of stuff happening. And it's so nice to see a show from back then that was so sensitive to cultures and race. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, they were talking about a fake culture. So True, but they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, they're basically doing all the stereotypes. You know, it's kind of fucked up. You yeah, did it. Marianne did that. <laughs> Marianne straight up did that. She did? Um, yeah. No, I didn't see it. Um, I swear for a second, I thought Marianne was topless. Because it was like with <laughs> no. the black and white, you couldn't really tell it. what she was wearing. Yeah. Yeah. At first, I was like, Is she? I was like, no. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Scene 23. The Watubi witch doctor says, The curse is lifted. You are well again. Skipper <laughs> tries to sit up as he says, I am. I don't feel any better. <laughs> he then collapses back onto the bed. The witch doctor says, More magic powder. This time, dumping both cups full of powder into the skipper's face. Gilligan begins to dance around the skipper some more, this time ending their big number with, Ole! <laughs> Outside the hut, the professor and Howells listen in in hopes that it's working. The Watubi doctor says, Curse is lifted. Get out of bed. The skipper tries to sit up and says, I, I can't. I can't. He falls back down. The witch doctor says, listen to me. I am great Watubi. Marianne corrects him, Watubi. Gilligan goes on, get out of bed. You are cured. Arise. I command it. <laughs> Just as he says this, the ground shakes and rumbles. The girls shriek in fear. Marianne asks, how did you do that? Gilligan says, I don't know. I guess somebody up there likes me. <laughs> Skipper yells out, Watubi. I was wrong. Your powers are greater than Kona. Gilligan says, Arise. I command it. The ground shakes and rumbles again, right on cue. <laughs> this time knocking the skipper out of bed and onto the ground. Gilligan says, You will walk now, or Watubi will make Earth tremble again. Marianne says, Oh, Gilligan, don't press your luck. <laughs> Gilligan yells out, Quiet. I am the great Watubi. Walk. Walk, walk. Gilligan shakes his stick at the skipper as he, gets, <laughs> as he gets to his feet. When standing up, the skipper smiles and says, I'm doing it. It's working. Gilligan says, Watubi never fails. The skipper, super jazzed, exclaims, I'm cured. Professor, everyone, I'm cured. The skipper runs out of the hut to spread the good news. Hmm. That magic powder cracked me the fuck up because he like <laughs> he grabbed a big handful of it, smacked him right in the face with it. It was awesome. Uh, Ole? No, he took the whole cup. He took the whole cup and threw it on it and took the other cup and threw it. <laughs> it's like when they used to hit people in the face with flour, like back in the nineties. Same kind of thing. Yeah. Scene twenty four. 
The skipper, still covered in magic powder on his face, <laughs> runs outside and yells, Everyone, I'm cured! Look, I can walk again! The skipper jumps around <laughs> to show how well he is. All the castaways watch and smile at a job well done. The skipper runs off in excitement. Gilligan says, I did it! I did it! Look how happy! But suddenly stops mid-sentence and yells out, Skipper, look out for that tree! <laughs> Well, now we see a white-faced mark on a tree. <laughs> Underneath the tree, the skipper lies flat on his back, unconscious. The castaways just sigh. Mm. <sighs> yeah, I thought this. I thought it would have been. Fun. They could have done something really funny here, especially with how clueless the howls are. They should yeah. have had like Mister Howl been like completely oblivious that any of this was happening. And then when mm -hmm. um, <laughs> when the skipper runs outside, thought he was a ghost or something like that with all that power on his face and like scare the <laughs> shit out of him, ah! you know, the curse <laughs> is true. Um, <laughs> that just would have been funny. Um, but yeah, I put this is where I put in. Boy, he's a regular George of the Jungle. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah it's kind of weird. Scene 25. Later, the girls work on getting lunch ready as Gillian brings a cup of water over to the skipper sitting in a chair, still in the daze. Hmm. The captain is sweating and is out of breath. Gilligan asks, feeling any better, Skipper? Skipper says, oh, this awful heat. I wish we could do something. I guess I'm still weak. I think I'll go and lie down a while. Skipper tries to get up as Gilligan assists him. Once he stands, he heads to his hut to rest. The professor says, get some rest, Skipper. Skipper says, thanks, Professor. Marion stops Gilligan and says, Gilligan. You were wonderful. <laughs> the rest of the castaways all sit and try to fan themselves. Mrs. Howell says, if he's so wonderful, why doesn't he do something about this heat? Gillian says, maybe I will. <laughs> the professor says, oh, don't get carried away, Gilligan. Those earthquakes were just a coincidence. Gilligan says, coincidence? What do you mean? I've got the power. Mr. Howell, calling bullshit, says, all right, Watubi. Let's have a nice cool breeze. Gilligan says, okay, a nice cool breeze. Gilligan raises his arms in the sky and says, I am the great Gilligan. But Professor No Fun stops him and says, stop that Gilligan, you stop. <laughs> Gilligan not listening says, one nice cool breeze. I am the great Gilligan. I command it. Then Mr. Hal farts. <laughs> what? <laughs> That was funny, Tack. You finally did party number. Oh, jeez. But after he says, I command it, nothing happens. Mr. Howell says, I don't feel any breeze. Mrs. Howell smugly says, neither do I. Mr. Howell says, the kid is a faker. Blood will tell. I don't know what that means. Okay. Is he going to kill him? Oh, damn. I don't know. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a strong wind blows the castaways and everything on their table. Everyone <laughs> runs away. <laughs> Lucky castaways. Sorry. <laughs> Gilligan grabs onto a nearby tree and waves in the wind like a flag on the 4th of July. As he's losing grip, Gilligan looks in the camera and says, I guess I overdid it. A little. Hmm. You notice uh, at the beginning of the scene, you notice Marianne giving uh, Gilligan the googly eyes? 
When she's like, you, did, you were great, Gilligan. And it looked like she was holding his hand for a minute, like behind everybody. That's what it looked like. I thought I even saw her like do this where she does like. like That's what, yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. Yeah. yeah. And I think I'm pretty sure he gra- reached around and grabbed her butt. I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then he put his fingers like this and he went. <laughs> no. He- <laughs> <laughs> Private joke you can't know. Yeah. Well, that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> that was a good one. No, that yep. one was pretty funny. Yeah, it was. Ne- it was neat seeing the similarities between Gilligan's Island and the episode of um, was it season three, episode one of Gilligan's Island? Of, season uh, three, Bunch? episode three. Three. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. No, that was kind of cool to see that. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, the only thing I didn't like about this episode, like I thought last week's episode was really good. Um, this week's was okay, but I think it, the whole scene after once this captain was in his bed, yeah, and they were like, "Come on, get up, you're doing okay." He's like, <laughs> I don't know. I think it just dragged on too long. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they needed another scene somewhere else doing something, but it was just like, and more of the captain like feeling sorry for himself in bed. Yeah, pussy. Like, yeah. God, come on. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I get it. All right, Jimmy. Well, I have an email to read. Cool. Yeah, this one comes to us from Kathy W. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll enjoy this one a lot. Right on. Kathy says, I live in Minnesota and had a strong reaction to you playing the Menards commercial jingle <laughs> during the show. <laughs> After humiliating two years of pandemic unemployment, my husband has taken a Christmas rush job at Menards, possibly longer. And while shopping there with him recently on his day off, that save big money at Menards commercial jingle played on their overhead speakers. Wow. Why? You're already there. So I asked him, (laughs) do they play that commercial overhead often? And he clenched his jaw and grumbled. All day. <laughs> wow, that's weird. I didn't post this to your public Facebook group because he doesn't even want anyone we know to know he's currently working at Menards. Mm. Well, first of all, I I, I I feel bad, you know, that he that he had to take on a job, you know, because he um, wasn't working where he was. I, I got laid off a few years ago myself. <clears throat> I know what that feels like. Um, mm-hmm. But having said that. I love Menards. I miss Menards. And uh, it's cool that your husband is now so familiar with Menards and that <laughs> you yourself have seen Menards. <laughs> and apparently I have commercials for Menards. So that's kind of cool. Um, no, but that that is uh, that doesn't make much sense to me at all. Like, I mean, I guess I can understand it if they're playing just a radio station in there and they're commercial happens to because i've been in lowe's <laughs> right. before where they're playing or it was either lowe's or home depot where they're playing some kind of music and then a commercial for their competitor came on on their overhead I'm like oh, that's kind of weird but yeah that seems a little arrogant having <laughs> 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 I mean, commercials for your own store on the overhead like that's yeah i agree with him that seems kind of lame yeah i agree that's <laughs> and good point what's the point you're already there so all right <laughs> But uh, we appreciate you sending that in, Kathy. Oh, yeah, cool. definitely. Yeah, for Hell sure. Yeah. Appreciate it. We are that. spreading the word about Menards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kathy. Well, you know what we did here. We had fun today. Uh, we do love the show, and we just love the nostalgia of it all. That's why we do it. 
Heck yeah. We would also personally like to thank the, our producers from Patreon because without you, this wouldn't be possible. And of course, we're talking about Jenny and Jim. Well, we're talking about all of you, but we always give Jenny and Jim a special shout out because some of you newer people might be like, what the hell's up with Jenny and Jim? Like, why do they keep mentioning them? Jenny mm-hmm. and Jim are the first two people to ever be our Patreons. And so it, it was such an impactful point in the podcast for Tack and I. And so we just decided that we're going to always give them a shout out because, um, yeah, just because it was such a memorable moment for us. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, we do appreciate it. We appreciate all our Patreon and all of our listeners, but they get a special shout out. So thank you. Indeed. And so we're going to hand out some homework assignments. First one is check out the website at a very com. Do a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and CastBox. And we are noticing the reviews and we very much appreciate it. And we're going to be reading some on an upcoming episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, tell two friends about the show. And if you don't have two friends, um, tell two pets. Tell two pets about the show, especially if they're parrots because they'll repeat it. <laughs> That's true. Send an email to the show and tell us how you like or dislike the show at a very Brady podcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group and join in on the conversations and all the fun at a very Brady Facebook group. If you would like to be a producer, if you're like, hey, this Patreon stuff sounds kind of neat. If you'd like to be a producer, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash a very Brady podcast. And it's set up where there's different tiers to it and you get a special merchandise. that's only available through our Patreon. Uh, if you become mm-hmm. a Patreon subscriber. So that's what that's all about. And plus you get to be a producer and we ask you questions on, you know, important parts of the show. If we're going to change anything, you know, you're involved with that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So see if you want yeah. to, you don't have to, but if you want to just finish it. <laughs> That's right. As a producer, you are involved in a lot of the decision making that happens yeah, on the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. And also, if you are a producer and you have received some of the merch, we'd love to see it. Um, send some pictures to us. Let us know. And yeah. then we can post it on our Instagram or whatever, but we'd like to see it. And Even if you don't want us some. to post it, you can totally say, yeah, I'd rather you not post it. We'd still like to see it. Mm-hmm. But check out our Instagram at a very Brady podcast. Follow us on Facebook and get real time updates. Like, you know, if the show's going to be late or, you know, mm-hmm. how tax hair is doing today or, you mm-hmm. know, how my, how Mr. Pickles doing, which Mr. Pickles doing great, by the way, he's doing awesome. Oh, speaking of that, my uh, stepmother, she said that she was very happy to hear that Mr. Pickles doing better. Good, good. Yeah. Check out our shop with our affiliate link at a very slash shop. Also, check out the Retro Network at theretronetwork.com. Uh, they're the ones that that um, that sponsored the contest that we just had. That um, Julia, what, what's her last name? Um, I know it's something plural. Yeah, I, I think so, right? Like, um, pickles? Julia Pickles. pickles. Is it Pickles? I, mean, I, th- I can't remember. Anyways, right. um, <laughs> uh, she, she was the winner of this last contest, and that contest was sponsored by the Retro Network. So we very much appreciate mm-hmm. it. They sponsored the, the contest last year as well, which we very much mm-hmm. appreciate. And um, if you have a minute, go check out the Retro Network. They might have something you like, especially if you're a child of the 80s. They're all about the 80s stuff. Last oh, year for yeah. Christmas, they sent Tack and I these trapper keepers with with a bunch of 80s nostalgia in it. It was awesome. <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah, yeah they, they're worth checking out. Also, check out our Cox. Cox is her Cox, last name. Cox. Yes. Cox. Yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, check out our T Public store for merch. Link is in the description of this episode. And most importantly, Go out there and watch Gilligan's Island. Hell yes. Go out and watch Gilligan's Island. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy is going to tell you what episode you should watch next. On the next episode, season one, episode 11, Angel on the Island. 
Mm-hmm. Mr. Howell agrees to produce a play on the island to cheer up Ginger, but only makes things worse when he fires Ginger from the lead role and replaces her with Mrs. Howell. That doesn't sound like something Mr. Howell would do. To be or not to be. <laughs> All right. Well, unless you have anything else. I do not. Neither do I. In that case, I've been Jimmy. And I've been Tack. And this has been a very Brady podcast. And we will see you on another sunshine day. Keep smoking. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.